Letter sixty one of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Mrs. Austin, Luxor, April twenty ninth, eighteen sixty five. Dearest Mutter, since I wrote last, I have received the box with the cheese quite fresh, and very good it tastes, and the various things. Nothing called forth such a shout of joy for me as your photo of the village pothouse. How green and fresh and tidy! Many mashallahs have been uttered over the Bayit el Felahin, peasant's house of England. The railings especially are a great marvel. I have also heard from Janet that Ross has bought me a boat for two hundred pounds, which is to take four of his agents to Aswan, and then come back for me. So all my business is settled, and, inshallah, I shall depart in another three or four weeks. The weather is quite cool and fresh again, but the wind's very violent, and the dust pours over us like water from the dried-up land, as well as from the Guma mountain. It is miserably uncomfortable, but my health is much better again, in spite of all. The Hakim business goes on at a great rate. I think, on an average, I have four sick a day, sometimes a dozen. A whole gypsy camp are great customers. The poor souls will bring all manner of gifts. It goes to my heart to eat, but they can't bear to be refused. They are astounded to hear that people of their blood live in England, and that I knew many of their customs, which are the same here. Kershid Aga came to take final leave, being appointed to Kenna. He had been at Gao, and had seen Fadil Pasha sit and make the soldiers lay sixty men down on their backs, by ten at a time, and chop them to death with their prisoners' axes. He estimated the people killed, men, women, and children, at sixteen hundred. But Mounier tells me it was over two thousand. Sheikh Hassan agreed exactly with Kershid, only the Arab was full of horror, and the Circassian full of exultation. His talk was exactly what we all once heard about pandies, and he looked and talked and laughed so like a fine young English soldier that I was ashamed to call him the kelb, dog, which rose to my tongue, and I bestowed it on Fadil Pasha instead. I must also say in behalf of my own countrymen that they had provocation, while here there was none. Poor Hagi Sultan lies in chains at Kenna, one of the best and kindest of men. I am to go and take secret messages to him, and money from certain men of religion to bribe the mutter with. The Sharafa, who have asked me to do this, are from another place, as well as a few of the Abul Hajijia. A very great Sharif, indeed, from Lower Egypt, said to me the other day, Thou knowest if I am a Muslim or no. Well, I pray to the Most Merciful to send us Europeans to govern us, and to deliver us from these wicked men. We were all sitting after the funeral of one of the Sharufa, and I was sitting between the Sharif of Luxor and the Imam, and this was said before thirty or forty men, all Sharifa. No one said no, and many assented aloud. The Sharif asked me to lend him the New Testament. It was a pretty copy, and when he admired it I said, For me to thee, O my master the Sharif, write in it as we do in remembrance of a friend, the gift of a Nazrinia who loves the Muslimin. The old man kissed the book and said, I will write, moreover, to a Muslim who loves all such Christians. And after this the old sheikh of Abu Ali took me aside and asked me to go as messenger to Hagi Sultan, for if one of them took the money it would be taken from them, and the man get no good by it. Soldiers are now to be quartered in the Said, a new plague worse than all the rest. Do not the Kawasas already rob the poor enough? They fix their own price in the market, and beat the Sakas as sole payment. What will the soldiers do? The taxes are being illegally levied on lands which are Shiraji. 
i.e., totally unwatered by the last Nile, and therefore exempt by law, and the people are driven to desperation. I feel sure there will be more troubles as soon as there arises any other demagogue like Ahmed Atayib to incite the people, and now every Arab sympathizes with him. Janet has written to me the Cairo version of the affair cooked for the European taste, and monstrous it is. The Pasha accuses some sheikh of the Arabs of having gone from Upper Egypt to India to stir up the mutiny against us. Pourquoi pas to conspire in Paris or London? It is too childish to talk of a poor Saidi Arab going to a country of whose language and whereabouts he is totally ignorant, in order to conspire against people who never hurt him. You may suppose how Yusuf and I talk by ourselves of all these things. He urged me to try hard to get my husband here as consul-general, assuming that he would feel as I do. I said, my master is not young, and to a just man the wrong of such a place would be a martyrdom. Truly thou hast said it, but it is a martyr we Arabs want. Shall not the reward of him who suffers daily vexation for his brethren's sake be equal to that of him who dies in battle for the faith? If thou wert a man, I would say to thee, Take the labor and sorrow upon thee, and thine own heart will repay thee. He, too, said, like the old sheikh, I only pray for Europeans to rule us. Now the fellaheen are really worse off than any slaves. I am sick of telling the daily oppressions and robberies. If a man has a sheep, the mudir comes and eats it. If a tree, it goes to the nazir's kitchen. My poor Saka is beaten by the kawasses in sole payment of his skins of water, and then people wonder my poor friends tell lies and bury their money. I now know everybody in my village, and the cunning women have set up the theory that my eye is lucky, so I am asked to go and look at young brides, visit houses that are building, inspect cattle, etc., as a bringer of good luck, which gives me many a curious sight. I went a few days ago to the wedding of handsome Sheikh Hassan the Ababda, who married the butcher's pretty little daughter. The group of women and girls, lighted by the lantern, which Achmet carried up for me, was the most striking thing I have seen. The bride, a lovely girl of ten or eleven, all in scarlet, a tall dark slave of Hassan's, blazing with gold and silver necklaces and bracelets, with long twisted locks of coal-black hair, and such glittering eyes and teeth, the wonderful wrinkled old woman, and the pretty, wondering, yet fearless children were beyond description. The mother brought the bride up to me and unveiled her, and asked me to let her kiss my hand, and to look at her. I said all the usual bismillah mashallahs, and after a time went to the men who were eating, all but Hassan who sat apart, and begged me to sit by him, and whispered anxious inquiries about his Arusha's looks. After a time he went to visit her, and returned in half an hour very shy, and covering his face and hand, and kissed the hands of the chief guests. Then we all departed, and the girl was taken to look at the Nile, and then to her husband's house. Last night he gave me a dinner, a very good dinner indeed, in his house, which is equal to a very poor cattle-shed at home. We were only five. Sheikh Yusuf, Omar, an elderly merchant, and I. Hassan wanted to serve us, but I made him sit. The merchant, a well-bred man of the world who has enjoyed life and married wives everywhere, had arrived that day and found a daughter of his dead here. He said he felt very miserable, and every one told him not to mind, and consoled him, oddly enough, to English ideas. Then people told stories. Omar's was a good version of the man and wife who would not shut the door, and agreed that the first to speak should do it. Very funny indeed. Yusuf told a pretty tale of a sultan who married a bint el-Arab, daughter of the Bedouin, and how she would not live in his palace, 
and said she was no fellaha to dwell in houses, and scorned his silk clothes, and sheep killed for her daily, and made him live in the desert with her. A black slave told a prosy tale about thieves, and the rest were more long than pointed. Hassan's Arab feelings were hurt at the small quantity of meat set before me. They can't kill a sheep now for an honored guest. But I told him no greater honor could be paid to us English than to let us eat lentils and onions like one of the family, so that we might not feel as strangers among them, which delighted all the party. After a time the merchant told us his heart was somewhat dilated, as a man might say his toothache had abated, and we said praise be to God all around. A short time ago my poor friend the Maun had a terrible tile fall on his head. His wife, two married daughters, and nine miscellaneous children arrived on a sudden, and the poor man is now tasting the pleasures which Abraham once endured between Sarah and Hagar. I visited the ladies, and found a very ancient Sarah, and a daughter of wonderful beauty. A young man here, a sharif, has asked me to open negotiations for a marriage for him with the Maun's granddaughter, a little girl of eight, so you see how completely I am one of the family." My boat has not yet made its appearance. I am very well indeed now, in spite, or perhaps because of, the great heat. But there is a great deal of sickness, chiefly dysentery. I never get less than four new patients a day, and my practice has become quite a serious business. I spent all day on Friday in the Ababda quarters, where Sheikh Hassan and his slave Rama were both uncommonly ill. Both are all right now. Rama is the nicest negro I ever knew, and a very great friend of mine. He is a most excellent, honest, sincere man, and an effendi, i.e., writes and reads, which is more than his master can do. He has seen all the queer people in the interior of Africa. The sheikh of the Bisharin, eight days' journey from Aswan, has invited me and promises me all the milk and meat I can eat. They have nothing else. They live on a high mountain and are very fine, handsome people. If only I were strong, I could go to very odd places where frangies are not. Read a very stupid novel, as a story, called Le Secret du Bonheur. It gives the truest impression of the manners of Arabs that I have read, by Ernest Fedeau. According to his book, Ashut, We Are Brothers, the caressant ways of Arabs are so well described. It is the same here. The people come and pat and stroke me with their hands, and one corner of my brown abaya is faded with much kissing. I am hailed as Sit Betana, our own lady, and now the people are really enthusiastic because I refused the offer of some kawasas as a guard which a bimbashi made me. As if I would have such fellows to help bully my friends. The said bimbashi, next in rank to a bay, a coarse man like an arnout, stopped here a day and a night and played his little Turkish game, telling me to beware for the ulema hated all Franks and set the people against us, and telling the Arabs that Christian Hakims were all given to poison Muslims. So at night I dropped in at the Maons with Sheikh Yusuf carrying my lantern, and was loudly hailed with Asalam Aleki from the old Sharif himself, who began praising the gospel I had given him, and me at the same time. Yusuf had a little reed in his hand, the kalim for writing, about two feet long and the size of a quill. I took it and showed it to the Mimbashi, and said, Behold the Nebut, wherewith we are all to be murdered by this shake of the religion. The Bimbashi's bristly moustache bristled savagely, for he felt that the Arab dogs and the Christian Kanzira, feminine pig, were laughing at it together. Another steamboat load of prisoners from Gao has just gone up. 
A little comfort is derived here from the news that, praise be to God, Musa Pasha, governor of the Sudan, is dead and gone to hell. It must take no trifle to send him there, judging by the quiet way in which Fadil Pasha is mentioned. You will think me a complete rebel, but I may say to you what most people would think like my nonsense, that one's pity becomes a perfect passion when one sits among the people, as I do, and sees it all. Least of all can I forgive those among Europeans and Christians who can help to break these bruised reeds. However, in Cairo and more still in Alexandria, all is quite different. There, the same system which has been so successfully copied in France prevails. The capital is petted at the expense of the fellaheen. Prices are regulated in Cairo for meat and bread as they are or were in Paris, and the dangerous classes enjoy all sorts of exemptions. Just like France, the Cairenes eat the bread and the fellaheen the stick. The people here used to dislike Mounier, who arrived poor and grew rich and powerful, but they all bless him now, and say, at El Montana, a man eats his own meat, and not the courbash of the mudir. And Mounier has refused soldiers, as I refused them on my small account, and please God he will never repent it. Yusuf says, what the Turkish government fears is not for your safety, but lest we should learn to love you too well. And it is true. Here there is but one voice, let the Franks come, and let us have the laws of the Christians." In Cairo the Franks have dispelled this douce illusion, and done the Turks' work as if they were paid for it. But here come only travellers who pay with money and not with stick, a degree of generosity not enough to be adored. I perceive that I am a boor, but you will forgive my indignant sympathy with the kind people who treat me so well. Yusuf asked me to let the English papers know about the Gao business. An alim ed din u islam would fain call for help to the Times— Strange changes and signs of the times, these, are they not so? I went to church on Good Friday with the cops. The scene was very striking, the priest dressed like the beautiful crusader, in white robes with crimson crosses. One thing has my hearty admiration. The few children who are taken to church are allowed to play. Oh, my poor little Protestant fellow-Christians, can you conceive a religion so delightful as that which permits Pete Bow behind the curtains of the sanctuary? I saw little Brutus and Skindaria at it at church-time, and the priest only patted their little heads as he carried the sacrament out to the harem. Fancy the parson kindly patting a noisy boy's head instead of the beetle whacking him. I am entirely reconciled to the Coptic rules. End of letter 61. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.